KMTT, כי מציון תצא תורה. שיעורים for this month, month of Shvat, are being broadcast לעילוי נשמת הרב אברהם יצחק בן חיים יהודה, אנכון ראובן בן משה חיים. This is Ezra Bek, and today is Wednesday, and we continue in the uh, series of shiurim on Agadot Bereshit. Last week we began the Pasuk, and uh, this week we finished the Pasuk. The Spirit of God hovers, was hovering over the waters. Amazing uh, Midrash, which is more or less parallel to a Gemara in Chagiga, Daf Tedvav. We're in Bereshit Rabbah, Parsha Bet, Midrash Dalid. I'm starting from the second half of the uh, of Ot Dalid. וכבר היה רבי שמעון בן זומה יושב ותוהה. בן זומה, and it's important to first mention the famous גמרא in חגיגה, דף י"ד עמוד ב', that says, ארבעה נכנסו בפרדס. Four of the sages entered פרדס. They entered a place spiritual place, a mental place of uh, esoteric uh, inquiry. It's an interesting translation to the word Pardes. The word Pardes means a, uh, an orchard. But in context, it means that they were engaged in Maaseh Merkava, the esoteric study of uh, the opening chapters of Sefer Yechazkel. ואלו הן בן עזאי ובן זומה אחר ורבי עקיבא. So these four sages entered, and to skip to the end, ורק רבי עקיבא נכנס בשלום ויצא בשלום. Only רבי עקיבא entered and exited safely. בן זומה, the hero of our Medrash today, in the Gemara it says that he ציץ ונפגע. He glanced and he was, he was struck. He was hurt, he was injured. which Rashi interprets to mean that he became insane. He became mentally disturbed. The Yushalmi, the parallel Yushalmi, says that he died. There's Ben Azai and Ben Zoma. Agama says Ben Azai died and Ben Zoma uh, went out of his mind. And the Yushalmi has the opposite, uh, opposite Gisa. That's the background to what we're now describing. He was sitting and, and toheh. The word toheh is not an accidental word here. It's taken from the Pasuk itself. Tohu vavohu, which we saw in last week's Midrash. Tohehu boheh, person who's amazed, he's thinking, he's, he's lost in thought. Avar Rabbi Yoshua v'sha'al b'shlomo. Rabbi Yoshua passed in front of him and said, Hello to him. Sha'al b'shlomo. Pa'am u'shtayim v'lo yishivo. He didn't answer him. B'shlishit yishivo v'behilut. The third time that Rabbi Yoshua said to him, Shalom. So he, he answered in, in startled. In other words, he, he woke up. In other words, he'd been so lost in thought that he didn't hear Rabbi Yehoshua uh, come by. Amar lo, Rabbi Yehoshua said to him, Ben Zoma, me'ayin haraglayim. An interesting expression. He said, where are your feet coming from? In other words, where were you? What we call today a penny or many pennies for your thoughts. He, he saw that he'd been lost. 
Amar lo, me'ayin hayiti. So Ben Zalva didn't want to tell him. He said, well, I was thinking. I was examining. Me'ayin hayiti. I was examining deeply. Amar lo, me'idalai shamayin va'aret she'ini zazmikan atcho to di'ini me'ayin ha'vidlayim. Rabbi Yeshua refused to take the answer. And uh, he said to him, I bear heaven and earth as witnesses that I am not leaving here until you tell me where you're coming from, where your thoughts were engaged. Amalo. Mistakel hayiti b'ma'asel v'reshit. There are two areas, according to the Mishnah Chagiga, two areas of deep and esoteric study. One is called ma'asel v'reshit. Things connected to the creation of the world. The other is ma'asel merkava, the chariot vision of Yechezka. So here it says, I was thinking about Ma'asev Rishit. Velo haya ben mayim ha'elionim le mayim ha'tachtonim ela kishtayim v'shalosh etzbaot. Okay, and what I saw was that the distance between the upper waters and the lower waters was no more than two or three fingers, finger widths. Right, the smallest uh, measure of distance used by Chazal is the finger. The me- measurements in Chazal were done on the basis of the human body, as almost all cultures did. And our modern measurements are in fact derived from those things. And so an ama is a is a forearm, and a tefach is a fist, and in it, one tefach there were four etzbaot, four finger widths. Finger width is like what we call an inch. It's the smallest, the smallest measure. So the distance between Maim Elyonim and Maim Atachtonim was only two to three, two or three fingers. Why did I come to that conclusion? It doesn't say that the spirit, the word Ruach, literally, it's the same word, means wind. So usually with the word Ruach, the verb is Minashevet, the wind was blowing. So the Spirit of God could have been Minashevet. It doesn't say Minashevet, it says Merachefet, hovering. Merachefet, Ka'of The picture is like a bird who is hovering, like a hummingbird, with his wings quickly, quickly vibrating, and the wings touch but don't touch. Nogot, Veinan, Nogot. It's a Hebrew expression, a Mishnahic Hebrew expression, which means yes and no. In other words, uh, touching but not touching, almost touching. No, no, um, no, no measurement, not touching, but no measurement of the distance between them. Nogot, Veinan, Nogot. If I can just quote the Gemara in uh, Chagiga, the version of the story, so we can understand the 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 uh, parable or the simile. Uh, a little bit better. So there he said, Merachefet kiyona, Shemerachefet al banea veina nogat, like a dove who hovers over its children and doesn't touch. As I think I think the 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 content of the simile is different, slightly different. Offhand, what it says in our midrash. It doesn't say over what. I, I, in my own mind, I had the picture of of a bird who's who's uh, 
sucking out um, nectar from a flower. The wings are they're fluttering back and forth but nothing is touched. Smallest distance between them. In the Gemara's simile, you have the idea of protection. The Yonah Merachefet Albanea is hovering over his, over her children to feed them perhaps or to guard them. And of course they know the guard because he doesn't want to rest on them, he doesn't want to hurt them. So we're hovering, hovering above them. In any event, this is what Ben Zoma said. I saw that in Ma'asebereshit, in the creation of the world, the distance between the upper waters and the lower waters was, they were distinct, but infinitesimally apart. Nogat ve'en nogat. In his own language, Shtayim v'shalosh etzbaot. Rabbi Yoshua said, Nehepach Rabbi Yoshua v'emalotamidav. Rabbi Yoshua turned around. Wordlessly, he didn't say anything to Ben Zoma. Turned around and said to his students, who disciples who were accompanying him, Halach lo ben Zoma. Ben Zoma is gone. Most of the commentators interpret that to mean he said was Ben Zoma is not of this world. And only a few days went by. Ben Zoma ba'olam. If this expression had appeared elsewhere, we would know what it means. It's a very unusual expression, but offhand what it means was that he was not ba'olam. He was in ba'olam ha'acher. He was ba'olam ha'met. And Ben Zoma sure enough died within a few days. Yeah, there are other interpretations that the Fezul shall mention, but again, let me now quote the Gemara in Chagiga, which here indeed has a different version of the end of the story. After Ben Zoma told Rabbi Yeshua that there are only three fingers between the two waters because Kiyona, Shemarachefet Albanev, Enanogat, Amar Lahen Rabbi Yeshua, Tamidab Rabbi Yeshua turned to his students and said, Adayin Ben Zoma mi Bachutz. Ben Zoma is still outside. And here, in context of the Gemara, in Chagigah, this undoubtedly means, since the Gemara before had said that Ben Zoma, he sits in Nifka, he lost his mind, so here Bachutz means he's still off. But Yeshua says, Ben Zoma, Wadayin Bachutz, he's outside, he's outside of our group, he's, he's off. Like, the expression in, 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 in Chazal Zivu, he's out, in modern American slang, it would be, he's off. He's off his rocker. Adayin ben Zomavi Bachutz. But here in the Gemara Chagiga gives the reason. What did Rabbi Yoshua see that was wrong in what Ben Zoma said? Mechdi. Ruach Elokim Merachefet al Pnei Amayim Ematavi Biyom Harishon. This pasuk, the pasuk on which this midrash is based, is the pasuk, Ruach Elokim Merachefet al Pnei Amayim. That's the first day, before the first day. It's before the creation of light. But Mayim Rish El Yonim and Mayim Tachtonim, the upper waters and the lower waters, Havdala Biyoma Sheniyu Tahavai, Dichtiv Ayihim Avdil Bein Mayim Lamayim. But the distinction between the upper waters and the lower waters, indeed, didn't exist at all in the first day. Why three fingers? There was no distinction whatsoever. There was no upper and lower. When upper and lower was created, that was on the second day. The second day of creation. So why do you imagine that it was then Merachefet al On the contrary, the distance could have been very great. As it says, And God separated the waters from the waters, the upper waters from the lower waters, heaven from earth. Okay, so this is the reason why Rabbi Yoshua 
rejected, according to the Gemara Chagiga, what Ben Zoma had said. I should point out that there are other interpretations to the phrase that appears in the Midrash, Uven Zoma Ba'olam. There are commentaries who interpret it as complimentary. Rabbi Yeshua said to his students, Ben Zama is very, very deep. Not that he was going to die, but that Halachlo, uh, he's, he's so deep in truth that he's not of this world. Undoubtedly, the Gemara in Chagiga is being uncomplimentary. Bachutz clearly means that he is disturbed mentally. But Bayos doesn't say Bachutz, it says Halachlo. And so the Matnat Kuhuna, the famous commentary in the Midrash, says that Halachlo me Olam, he's left our world because he's so deep in what he's, in what he's saying. And of course, in the Midrash, it doesn't bring the negative comment that appears in the Gemara as to why Rabbi Yeshua disagreed. Yeshua's claim that Ben Zoma had misinterpreted the Psukim is not poor in the Midrash. And therefore, the Matnat Kuhuna interprets the Midrash as being complimentary. Okay, so this is, this, this is the text of the Midrash. And before I, I try to interpret this Midrash, we have to point out that indeed it's difficult to know what we're looking for here. Is Ben Zoma's understanding a positive, deep clarification, insight, into some truth, or, as perhaps we should understand from the Gemara, uh, there's just a quaint story about how Ben Zoma is, is disturbed. And therefore, we shouldn't pay any attention to what he's saying. So this is a complicated question, and of course, the fact that someone is disturbed doesn't necessarily mean that he's not correct. There is a long tradition, not just in our culture, but in other cultures, of finding often uh, truths in the sayings of people who are disturbed. Precisely because they're disturbed, therefore they don't see things in the normal, uh, conventional manner, but they see somehow perhaps deeper. So the very fact he's disturbed doesn't necessarily indica- indicate that, that he's wrong. Of course, Rabbi Yeshua seems to be saying that. He seems to be upset at what Ben Zoma said, at least in the Gemara, and in fact he brings a negative, a negative proof, or a, a disproof of what Ben Zoma was saying. And... Uh, so I'm not 100% sure as to how much I should try to understand Ben Zoma's insight. Again, in the Midrash, there isn't anything negative said by Ben Zoma other than the fact that he's going to die. But death is not necessarily a punishment or surely not the response to incorrect metaphysical insights. So therefore, the Midrash, I'm almost certain that it's meant to tell us something deep. That's why it's brought. The Midrash is giving us commentaries, not stories, but commentaries on the Pasuk. And Ben Zoma is giving a commentary on the Pasuk, a deep one, which in fact, Midrash warns us about. It involves an insight that is so deep that perhaps we shouldn't pay attention for our own health. I'll add that even in the Gemara, Rabbi Yeshua's comment, I think, might be understood as disingenuous. He's saying, ah, Ben Zoma made a mistake. He's talking about the first day and, and we're talking about the second day. Okay, but what about the first day? I have this feeling that Rabbi Yeshua turns to his students to warn them, eh, don't think about what he's saying. Rabbi Yeshua thought that Ben Zoma's statement was dangerous for his students to consider, and therefore he gave them this, this pshetel, this little thing saying, uh, you know, maybe it was true once, but it's not true anymore. But it still indicates the truth. The first day doesn't count. There's nothing essentially true about the first day, even if it's been covered up or separated in the later days. 
I had this feeling that the proper understanding of the Gemara is not so much different from my understanding of the Midrash, that in fact Ben Zoma zeroed in on a deep and amazing truth, one that is meant to be covered. It's, it's Sod, it's Pardes, it's secret and esoteric studies. And when he said it out loud, Rabbi Yeshua quickly warned his students not to pay any attention to it and found a reason to do that. Namely that, Merachefet was the first day, but when we measure distance between heaven and earth, we're talking about the second day. Okay, now let's figure out what I think Ben Zoma is really saying. First of all, I think it's clear that the expression that's used here, which in fact can only be true on the second day when these waters have been separated, but it's being taken as a as a metaphor for the distance of heaven and earth. Because our pasuk, is not referring to waters and waters, but to God and waters. The distance between the Spirit of God and the waters. So, the metaphor that's being spoken of here is upper and lower worlds, as we've seen in many Midrashim in the past. Well, the Midrash is crucially interested in the relationship between Elyon v'Tachton, Shamayim v'Aretz. Mayim Elyonim v'Mayim Tachtonim. There are a number of different phrases used, according to different days, in different areas of the first chapter of Bereshit. But in fact, we're speaking of the relationship of the upper world and the lower world. And Ben Zoma says an amazing, truly amazing statement. It goes against human experience. Well, let me take that back. It goes against normal, daily human experience. It goes against a number, a large number, of Mamarei uh, Chazal and, and the understanding of the religious experience. And therefore, indeed, may have been very, very shocking. Ben Zamas says the separation between the upper and the lower world is true. He didn't deny it. He wasn't a unitarist here. He's not saying it's all one. But he's saying that they are practically speaking in contact. Okay, I know you're going to immediately object, and you're right to object, so I take it back a little bit. He's very careful, Ben Zoma. He doesn't say they're one. He doesn't say they're continuous. He's saying they're almost continuous. The distance between them is infinitesimal. Noga'at ve'enan noga'at. The wings hovering above the flower. Or the wings hovering above the young. Touch, but don't touch. They never actually touch. But the distance is infinitesimal. Our experience says, and, and, and a great deal of religious literature is based on emphasizing the radical difference and therefore the radical distance between the mundane, everyday world, chol, the secular mundane world in which we live, and the spiritual world, that's the abode of God and the angels, to which perhaps we aspire, but never quite make it. And Ben Zoma, in this striking vision is saying 100% true we don't live in the, in the heavens and in fact the spirit of God is not in 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 the world but they're so so close touching but not touching 
And I think in this simile, the, 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 it's such a rich simile. There, there are a number of contradictory thoughts which I think are all true. One is that it's very, very close. Ki karov ha-davar elecha la-asot. In a different phraseology of the Pasuk, lo ba The truth is not in heaven, but it's very, very close to you. So Medzoma says, you want to know something? Heavens is not in heavens. The heaven is not in the sky. The heaven is so close to you. If you could just reach out one teeny inch more, shalosh etzbaot, or shayim shalosh etzbaot. It's less than the width of your hand. If you just open your hand, you'll be there. So Benzema is arguing against the, the, the common human conception, well-based, I would add, that we should view the heavens as infinitely far from man. He's saying it's infinitesimally far from man. Approaching zero in its distance. On the other hand, Benzoma's refusal to take the last step to put them into contact is an amazingly painful thing. Once you understand that the heavens, the Spirit of God, is like right next to you, so close. And then to say, Veinanogat, you never come in direct contact with it. The, the wistfulness involved, if we were one of those young doves whose mother is fluttering above us, you never actually touch her. So close, and yet, one could say, perhaps so far or so out of so out of contact. Indeed, Ben Zoma is crazy, and and perhaps it's understandable why, having seen this, to have come so close. He entered Pardes, but couldn't taste of the fruits. They were almost in his hand. That's a truth. I think a truth which Ahmedrash doesn't deny, and I think Rabbi Yeshua doesn't deny. Rabbi Yeshua says, that was the first day. The second day, they were, they were widened. The distance was widened. So, but I understand, Medrashic understanding of Psukim, that means it's true. But practically speaking, it's been, it's been covered up. It's true. When you walk on the street, you, it's simply not a fact. Not an experiential fact that the Spirit of God is hovering less than one inch above your head. In order to allow us to live our lives and perhaps to build and to be independent and to be normal and not be crazy like Ben Zoma, so God, God has separated the, upper, the waters of the upper world, the source of life, from the waters of the lower world in which we swim, in which we live so that we can at least imagine, and practically speaking, day to day, operate as though we're living in a world that, that, that's normal, that's not infused with, with the Spirit of God and the fire of God. We're living on earth, being practical, our feet are on the ground. But to some extent, it's not Ben Zoma who's being delusional, but we're being delusional. This was created on the second day, but preceding it, and preceding doesn't mean preceding and obliterated proceeding and underlying is a deeper truth that says that the upper waters and the lower waters were once one and that the Spirit of God 
before the separation and therefore underlying you know, some deeper sense of truth is hovering less than one inch above your outstretched finger. So it could be, as the majority understanding of our Medrash says, a person who perceives this and sees it and feels it and lives it is not long of this world. His, his, his ga'aguim, his, his, his desires and passions to close that gap are such that he, he'll close it one way or another. You, you, you can't, practically speaking, live. I agree. And I think God agreed on the second day. One cannot live with this perception in front of you as an absolute reality. It's impossible to, to, to live in this world if, if, if you see you're that close, so close, so impossibly, tantalizingly close to the Spirit of God above you. So if Yeshua quickly turns to his Talmidim and says to them, pay no attention to him. Who bachutz? Who lo ba'olam? Halach lo ben zoma. It's not for you and me. But that doesn't mean he's wrong. It just means that there's another side to the truth, which is a side that allows us to live normal lives. Well, to live at all. Since according to the Midrash, he goes and he dies. Which is what Yushalmi says happens to uh, to Ben Zoma. And even according to the Bavli, living in insanity is not living in this world. But Midrash quotes this insight of Ben Zoma, and the Gemara repeats this insight of Ben Zoma, perhaps to, to teach us that don't live your lives with this vision in front of you, but you should be aware that the vision is true. The vision that says, it warns us of two extremes. The vision that says that God is the world, some form of pantheism, is totally false, rejected outright. In the, the wildest, most esoteric visions in Judaism, that's not an option. God is not of this world. He's above and beyond this world and, and we have to approach Him. But the opposite view that says that there are two worlds and there is no contact between them whatsoever is also not exactly true. Ben Zama says there is contact. Well, there is and there isn't. No God, contact, no God, no contact. And you have to be aware of that. Because otherwise, separating the world into two is itself a form of dualism. Not metaphysical dualism in terms of two gods. Not theological dualism, I meant. But metaphysical dualism. Two different planes of existence. One for us and one for others. And as we saw in the Midrashim two weeks ago, the expression used by the uh, Midrash in the end of Perak Aleph, the heavens and the earth form a unity. Different, but operating together. And here, in a much more dramatic form, which only someone who is a little bit crazy could possibly say, not just operating together, but playing this, this tantalizing dance of touching but not touching. Fingers outstretched, man reaching up to God, God reaching down to man, and the fingers... You, you, you can't see the distance between them, and yet they don't yet touch. There's a Gemara in Sukkah, in the beginning of Sukkah, that talks about 
the shear of yutfachim. Yutfachim is the measurement of height. A wall has to be ten tefachim high. Uh, if something is ten tefachim high, it could be considered to be in another realm. And and the Gemara attempts to learn where the shear comes from, and it learns it from the height of the Aron Hakodesh. It doesn't work out the, this particular derivation, but they attempted to learn it from the height of the Aron Hakodesh in in the in the Mishkan. And on the basis of that, the Gemara then says, quotes a, an opinion that says, lo Indeed, a different, a different shear. The shear of Ben Zoma is much more dramatic. One finger. And there, the importance of that, that that Medrash is trying to say, that Gemara is trying to say, that man and God do not inhabit the same space. Because Yud Fachim is the shear in, in a, it's like a different story, in, 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 a, in a two-story building. You're not in the same space if there's a difference of ten Fachim between you, in height. And the Gemara says that God was above the Aron HaKadosh, the Kruvim, the cherubs were above the Aron HaKadosh because the Shekhinah, which comes down into the Mishkan, remains ten Tfachim above the ground. One says, what about the fact that it says that Moshe Allah Ela Elohim, Moshe went up to God. No, 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 he went up ten Tfachim from God. It says, Vayeret Hashem Al Sinai, God came down on Al Sinai. No, 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 ten Tfachim above the Har. So that's a, that's a Gemara, which uh, once you learn Ben Zalmah, it's a little bit depressing, that Gemara. That Gemara says that Psukim, which state explicitly that God has descended on earth, and the Moshe Rabbeinu went up to God, mean ten Tfachim apart. They, were, they could talk to each other, but they were in different spaces, they happened in different worlds. Chazal are very insistent that we not merge the two worlds. And Ben Zalmah accepts that. He's not going to merge it, but he's doing his utmost to to create the closest possible connection without merging it. Not just between God and man in a solitary experience, but between the worlds. Not that perhaps you could meet God. He's saying, no, the true, underlying, esoteric, inner existence, reality of the relationship of the spiritual universe and the physical universe is there is no distance between them other than perhaps two to three finger breaths. Nogat, Vienna Nogat. I don't suggest that anyone absorb this vision too much because it's not good to be Bachutza, to be Hulechlo, surely not Ba'olam in a different world. But understanding Ben Zoma's vision, I suspect very strongly, is essential on a, on a higher level for our ab- ability to in fact exist at a distance from God because we know that in some deeper sense that distance does not in fact, does not in fact exist. That's this, uh, that's this week's Midrash. Uh, as I said in the beginning, it's a difficult Midrash to know where, we, where we're ending. Where do we place our, our belief? What are we meant to accept here? I think, as I try to point out, we're meant to accept both sides of this question. The uh, reluctance of the Midrash to present Ben Zoma as, as a sage who you simply learn from him and accept what he says 
is due not merely to to caution that things are too deep, but in other words, that they're practically speaking dangerous. No, they're actually in reality dangerous. They're so deep that they're not a hundred percent true, but they're nonetheless true. They're first day true, but not second day true. They're true, but they're not true in this world. Nogat, ve'ena nogat, true but not true. The distance between what Ben Zoma said and what we are meant to believe on a practical level, I think, is no more than two or three fingers. And that's it for today. We'll be back next week with more Medrashim in Agadot Bereshet. This has been Ezra Beck. Wishing you call to be listening to KMTT. Kimitzion, Tetzay Torah, Udvar Hashem, Yerushalayim.